Welcome to the Elite Foundations podcast, how to build an elite foundation physically and mentally to win at life. No theory, just real world results. Your hosts are Dr. Emil, ex-emergency doctor, entrepreneur, and health coach, and myself, Edomar, ex-Israeli special forces, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Welcome to today's episode, guys. Today, Emil will be talking about optimizing for enjoyment. It's a topic that we've kind of covered in bits and pieces throughout these podcasts, but we said this is worthwhile giving it its own proper episode and taking away the big lessons. Emil, take it away. Exactly that. Thank you for the intro, Itamar. So essentially, this is going to be more of a conceptual episode rather than talking about specific case. This is a principle that I use throughout the program. And actually on my last case study with Alex, optimizing for enjoyment was one of the things that we do once you've established the physiological blueprint. So once you start making progress, you optimize for enjoyment so that you can stick to it for long enough so that you can succeed. Now, I wanted to have a brief discussion with Itamar about this just before we started. So if you try to use willpower or motivation alone, you will fail in the long term. Is that because the why isn't strong enough or that willpower is a like is like a muscle which gets tired over time? Or what's your take on why we can't just brute force through these things? So I think before answering this this question, there's a broader context that that needs to be addressed. And like we didn't talk about this, but I think a lot of the the perception willpower has and all this kind of stuff is because people look at these very extreme individuals in extreme situations. It's called the Navy SEALs, Special Forces, um, elite endurance athletes, and all this kind of stuff. And they look at them as examples. When in reality, they're not examples. They're outliers. That's why they're unique. That's why they're uncommon. And I think it's something also really important to just not not look at this as a one size fits all thing. Like I think different people have different innate levels of willpower and drive and desire. And then also those people usually because they're that kind of person, they get driven into situations which cause them to develop it more and more and more and more and more. So by the time these kind of individuals are in their 20s or in their 30s, their willpower ability to persevere, to just push through just on willpower, even without having good structure around it or whatever it may be, is very, very different than most people. And I think that's something that needs to be understood first before we really dive into this conversation to, to separate that because a lot of people probably have it. Well, I've heard about this guy or I see that guy, whatever it means, like it's different. And you need to acknowledge where you probably are on that spectrum and make your decisions in accordance to that. Like I personally can get away with a lot of things that are crazy structures because of my willpower and resiliency. I probably was that a bit naturally, just like genetically and that genetic spectrum. And then I was pushed into situations, into environments that caused me to have to grow that muscle a lot and practice that skill set. So before we really dive into that, I think that was really important to say so that we have a clear understanding of like what's realistic for each and every person because we're all different. So that's already a huge obstacle because as entrepreneurs, myself included, I think I'm freaking awesome. And I think that I can crush everything and essentially the things that I was going to have already crushed in my life, I've already crushed. And anything that I still haven't crushed, I need to be a bit humble and take a different approach, perhaps, as opposed to just continually hitting it with a sledgehammer. Yeah. It's like, so we had the, the episode, a couple episodes back, we talked about Sam, my client, 
Yeah. Like his whole problem is that because he was so resourceful and gifted, he he didn't have any discipline. Yeah. Because he could kind of get away without having it. It's like personally on a personal level, I wish I had his level of resourcefulness. Because mm. if you compile that with my level of of willpower and and discipline and resourcefulness, I'd be at the moon right now. Yeah. But I think it's like you don't have to have willpower in order to succeed or like a super. Sorry, I'm not gonna say that blank a blank and same way. You don't have to have an incredibly high amount of willpower to succeed if you have other ways where you can create a structure that will still get you towards your desired outcome. So play to your strengths. I think strength, that's about recognizing. I don't love that thing that play to your strengths. It's like figure out where you are and what you need to get in order to get where you want to get to and create a, f- a way that, that can facilitate that. Yeah. Like play to your strengths is a very, it's a very dangerous thing to say. And I don't like it when people say that because what playing to your strengths can end up be doing is that you're playing at something that you're a 10 out of 10, but it's only a level two opportunity in life and it doesn't serve you. So you got to figure out what you really want to achieve and then figure out how can I facilitate this somehow. Using your kind of almost top trumps of, of skills and attributes and, and focusing on the ones that you're perhaps better at. It's it's less. It's it's not focusing on them, but it's, again, like getting the things that need to get resolved, resolved. Like accepting that you have a weakness in something doesn't mean you're surrendering to it. So if I accept that I'm less resourceful, that means I'm not surrendering to it, that I'm trying to focus on how can I get help on this? How can I do this? If somebody recognizes they, they lack willpower, they're going to have to figure out what structures they need to create because they're weak there. But this isn't an excuse for them not to do things that require discipline, not to take on a task that would require for them to be meticulous and detailed-oriented, if that's what they need in order to get to where they need to get to. It just means they have to be more mindful of the fact they need to create better structures. Uh, uh, So I agree 100%. And this perfectly brings us in the context of this episode where a lot of people who come for health coaching have tried to apply sheer willpower to this by trying to do things which are very restrictive, very extreme, and have repeatedly failed, and then are looking for this structure and system to achieve it. And that's essentially what we've created, because the people who have already achieved this don't end up coming for coaching. And just to kind of give some context here, like people might think that I'm one of those super high willpower discipline individuals. I'm absolutely not. The reason I am where I am now is because I tried to hit things with sledgehammers for many, many years, failed at all the extremes for many, many years, eventually figured out a system which worked, which allowed me to effortlessly, in air quotes, stay in shape while living life and doing crazy things. But it's not, and I promise you, it's not through willpower and discipline because one, I don't have those. They're not my strengths. And two, because I don't want to waste them on not eating a piece of cake. I would rather use an automated system, which I've built, which I can fire on autopilot and not waste my very valuable bandwidth on resisting cake. But there's more to life. So one of these systems that we use within the health evolved method is what we call optimizing for enjoyment. And essentially the point here is that instead of resisting or fighting using willpower, you, you allow the, the, the motivation, you allow the, the actions to come from within. You choose to do something rather than you force yourself to do something. So you choose not to have the cake instead of being like, I really want the cake, but I'm going to resist it. That won't last forever. Yeah, this, this is like your rule of I don't need free food. It just, 
Exactly that. It's that. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's, it's intentionality. And the way I see it is that fuel, uh, sorry, food in, in the real world is either fuel or fun. Like those are the two reasons we eat. And I haven't fully tested this, but I don't think there are any other reasons that we eat in the real world. We, they're either fuel something or it's fun. And any eating which we do, which isn't fueling us, go on, tell me. I can see it's must thinking. Yeah, so I, I yeah, because I've it's one of the things I tell people the whole issue with with mindset stuff and that you know that you're doing something that doesn't serve you, a behavior that doesn't serve you because of fear or because of insecurity or because you don't want to feel a certain emotion, so you don't take this action, but you know that. And one of the responses people have to that is either they resort to a certain vice, which is can be food. For sure. They eat just to give themselves a sense of control or a yeah. sense of comfort. So beyond fuel and beyond enjoyment, it's for comfort and for a sense of control. That even if I don't know what's going on right now, I know that if I go to the fridge and I get that ice cream, it's going to be tasty. And at least I know that in my world, I have a sense of control. So beyond that, I do think there are different reasons people eat. For sure. And actually, those are the non-intentional, non-aligned uh, reasons that people yeah. are perhaps eating. So in a perfect world... So that's a great way to say it. Like you're, you're saying this is a great thing. Like I think you were saying fuel and enjoyment. Those are the only things you should be eating for. Not right. the only things we do eat for, but the only things you should be eating for. Yeah. I think that's a great way to say it. Yeah. yeah. It's a great way for also me to remember that. And I, think I will use that as well. So, I mean, the, the, you know, the first step here is just to kind of bring awareness to it and to be like, okay, so if I'm not eating for fuel or fun, then there's another reason. And if I can bring awareness to that other reason, then I can start to work on it and, and figure it out, both through practical things, like not having ice cream in the house when you're stressed and tired, and through kind of what I call back-end things, like working out why you're using food to bury emotions, to distract yourself from emotions or whatever else. So fuel... is a coping mechanism. To, to Exactly that. So it's either fuel, it's either fun, or it's it's flagging i'm using the f's now it's flagging that there's something that you need to work on so actually all three of those are valuable but the first two are aligned with your goals so if the food is fuel then physiology dictates what is optimal right so x grams of protein x grams of carbs this is fuel this is this is basically sports science now when it comes to fun a lot of us eat for fun and that's amazing that's social it's it's modern culture it's it's really nice like pizza is one of the greatest inventions in the whole world so eating for fun is legit now when i say optimizing for enjoyment the goal is that you you don't eat for the other reasons so you're not eating out of distraction you're not eating a whole pizza while you're watching netflix you're not eating out of programming so you're not stuffing your face at a buffet to try and get your money's worth or because that's just what you do at a buffet. This is mindless. This isn't conscious. This isn't intentional. This isn't fun. Um, and, and you're not eating on autopilots where you're just at a, at a restaurant and just eating the peanuts or the, or the bread at the table because it's there. That's what you do. So when I say optimizing for fun, or the main thing I'm trying to get rid of is these, these things which you're doing which are not fun. And yes, there's other reasons that people eat, which are uh, distraction coping mechanisms. And these, these need to be worked on in the background. These are much, much deeper, but super high level optimizing for fun. Let's just bring awareness to what is actually fun. 
And the way that I do this in practice is I get people to flag meals as fuel meals or feast meals. And if it's a fuel meal, it can still be enjoyable, but the focus of the meal isn't enjoyment. So an example of this would be getting in your protein, getting in your micronutrients and fiber. So essentially protein and vegetables. These are fuel meals. These are meals when you're busy, when you're you're not really worried about food. Maybe you're working and you're grabbing a quick snack. Um, it's not the, the prime focus of the meal. Maybe you're just about to train. And in these meals, figure out what fuel you need, put it on autopilot and forget about it. These are the meals where you don't want to be, let's put in inverted air quotes, uh, wasting calories and eating a packet of chips, uh, you know, a, a, a Coke and a sandwich. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this beyond that. I think these fuel meals actually give you better energy because they're 100%. fuel meals. So if you really are optimizing for enjoyment to do whatever you want to do in life, whether it's self-actualization, yep. sport, yep. even just hanging around and enjoying conversation, they'll yep. they'll enable that better. Yeah. So so these fuel meals are functional and actually they can be tasty as well. So what I say to a lot of people, like I use shakes because it's just super easy. A lot of people don't like shakes or they like to mix it up. I say to people, right, let's go on Uber Eats together. Let's find a salad place. Let's find a poke bowl place. Let's build a poke bowl together. That is your fuel meal. Load of vegetables, uh, load of tuna. Let's take the decision making out of it. It's tasty as well. Awesome. Now these are your fuel meals. Have this for lunch every day. Don't don't you know go wandering through a Seven Eleven or, or uh, supermarket and pick up random shit. Yeah. That's mindless. That's unintentional. You're not enjoying it because you're distracted and you don't give a shit about it. So it's fuel. And eating a huge packet of chips mindlessly while you're on YouTube is neither fuel nor feast. And actually isn't even coping. It's just bullshit. It's just mindless. It's just autopilot. It's just a lack of intentionality. Exactly. It's sleepwalking. So I, I might be going a bit ahead of you here, but what I'm naturally like thinking ahead to is also with feast meals. If you should be intentional about your feast meals, we're literally getting to this now. We're getting to this now. Okay. Let, let <laughs> me let me let me talk and then you can jump in. <laughs> Do it. So, Do it. So those are fuel meals. And just put these on autopilot. These are let's say 80% of your meals every week. Because we're busy, we have lives. We don't need every meal to be a huge uh clusterfuck of decision making and choice and, and all of this. And this is actually another reason why it's good to put these on autopilot, because I don't want to waste my decision making energy on dumb shit like what I'm going to eat for lunch, right? Another way to do these is have, yep. a, have a chef or have uh, prepped meals ready to go. Awesome. Fuel meals. Make them once and then have them long term. Um, and just one last point on that. A lot of people get super complicated with this and want like a menu of 20 different meals that they can pick from. Honestly, start with one. It will last you a yeah. couple of weeks. Once you get bored, find one other. You can probably go between two fuel meals long term like don't worry and then throw in shakes as well you've now got three options these will last you probably most of the time remember you're kind of distracted while you're eating these because you're busy whatever so they don't need to be gourmet crazy multiple option bullshit things so question here that like that i'm sure will help a lot of people out there why do you think people are so hesitant to spend money on a chef that's not going to make them something fancy but just something simple when they're a lot of these entrepreneurs people that have a lot of money and they want to spend a lot of money on other things 
that are, let's say, more like fun, going out, whatever it may be. But this is something that I've seen a lot of people be very stingy on. What can you tell these people? Well, you know, again, this is fuel and, and, and feast are the two options. So if you want a chef to create feast meals for you, then that's the goal. Amazing. But if you want a chef to create fuel meals for you, then you're not paying for the food. You're paying for your health. You're paying for the, the saving your decision bandwidth. You're paying for the fact that you don't have to think about this anymore and your health has been put on autopilot. Like for me, it's my housekeeper which cooks these fuel meals for me and I just tell her to make a load of vegetables, a load of lean protein, and I just pull it out of the fridge whenever I'm ready. It's amazing. I don't have to think about it. And it is tasty. It's really tasty. It's like home-cooked Portuguese food. But it's super lean. It's super healthy. It hits all the spots that I want. Boom. Done. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah. It does. What I'm saying is like, don't look at this as, oh, I could, this is simple food. It's not that tasty. I shouldn't have to pay for somebody to do this. But it's giving you a lot more than that. Think about it like that, like what you're actually getting out of it. The Eliminating decision, just being healthy and putting it on autopilot and just making your life easier. Yeah, I mean, what are the alternatives? That you spend time cooking yourself, absolute fucking disaster, or you um, eat shit from the cupboards, which is taking away from your health, which again is an absolute disaster. Like for the sake of a little bit of money, you're compromising your health. Like it just makes zero sense. I can tell how much this bugs you, but how much you're cursing on this episode. <laughs> 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 All right, so, so let's move on meals. to feast meal. I think we're just in fuel. Yeah. So, so feast meals are any meal where the goal is enjoyment, and if the goal is enjoyment, enjoy it. So, how do you enjoy a meal? Well, you you become present because if you are distracted for the whole meal, you won't even notice it. It'll all go in, and you'll just be like, "Well, that was pointless. I don't even remember it." So, so be, be present, decide what you want, like smell it, look at it, taste it. Like don't shovel it all down in three seconds. You're not enjoying that. If the goal isn't enjoyment, sorry, is enjoyment, then freaking enjoy it. So would it be accurate to say that if you are hungry, you probably shouldn't be diving into a, a feast meal because you're not going to enjoy, you're just going to scarf things down? I mean, essentially, yes, but realistically, there's very little you can do about that. In those cases, things you can do, like say you go out for a meal, you're super hungry, it's meant to be an enjoyment meal, you're just in that situation. You have to play the cards you're dealt, right? Okay, serious question. Am I just a robot here that I'm thinking about this in terms of like, okay, so just for me, a feast meal is like going, having something like decently healthy and then having dessert on top of it. And by the time I get to dessert, I'm not an animal anymore because I've eaten. So that's definitely one way of doing it. And you could have like... Um, so, so a more normal way of doing it would be to have a healthy starter. So like, a, like a, a tuna, sashimi or that kind of thing. Something like lean protein vegetables, again, sparkling water will just take the edge off the hunger. So by the time you get to the main meal and dessert, because some people's main meal would may be unhealthy, whatever that means. Mm. I mean, I don't want to get into that. Yeah, but yeah. Say a, a burger. Yeah, but I hear you. Okay. Then people can at least... So, so just giving yourself some kind of precursor that you're not being an animal and you can actually just enjoy it. So that's a practical way of approaching it, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then making choices that you're going to enjoy and then stopping once the enjoyment tapers off. So again, this requires a little bit of mindfulness, but what ends up happening is people start eating 
and then stop when the plate is empty. And a classic for this is eating ice cream. Like they start and then once the tub is empty, they stop. And an ice cream is a great example of this because after the fourth bite, your tongue is numb. You can't taste it. You can't differentiate flavor. <laughs> You're eating on autopilot. You're not eating for enjoyment anymore. So the biggest thing to do here is to just apply presence to the situation and be aware. And this, people are like, yeah, but... I can't, like I'll just, the ice cream is done before I even notice. Amazing. Observe what happens and then reflect on it and try and alter it for next time. How can you change your environment? How can you alter the situation so that even if you do go on autopilot, you can still enjoy the, the food more? So what we just mentioned, having the the starter and the, the salad before you eat the main, that might help. Some people have a protein shake before they go out that can help. Uh, taking some ice cream out, putting it in a bowl, that's a pattern interrupt. That might help. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Like how we were talking at the beginning about willpower and creating structures. It's like, from what it sounds like, wouldn't it be better just to put, buy the small ice cream if you're at just like at a, I don't know, yep. an ice cream shop or whatever it can be. Yep. Or if you have it at home, just put it into a cup, put a small amount of yep. it. That's creating the structure so you don't have to rely on willpower, no? Exactly. So this is curating your environment for success. And this is what people call discipline. And I just call make it so that you can't fail. And then what people then object to... Mm, that's not what I would call discipline. That's interesting. Well, for me, I would rather not apply any discipline. I would just create an environment yeah. where I can just succeed. Yep. Like I'm disciplined. I don't... I mean, I do eat ice cream all the time, but like when I'm at home, I don't eat ice cream. Yeah, like, it's, it's by not it's having the whole, it in like the crossing fridge. the stream... The easiest place to cross the stream is at its source. Not when it's a raging rapid. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, am I a strong swimmer because I can cross the, the stream at the source? Or am I just not an idiot because I'm trying to swim over a raging rapid? You know, it's just, I'll, yeah. I'll make this as easy as possible for myself. Yeah, and I think going back to the kind of rant I had at the beginning of the episode, this is what a lot of it is. A lot of the things that are sensationalized are people that, they actually have to cross these raging rivers. Like that's why they're so disciplined. To be able to yes. survive combat, yes, yes, to yes. be able to survive an ultra endurance race or whatever, yeah. you have to be ultra disciplined. That's the rule of the game. Yeah. And it's like, and I think most people don't recognize that that's not actually something you have to do. So if something you have to do, does it actually serve you to work with that, with that intention and with that kind of desire? Yeah. So what you're saying is you can just create an environment where you don't have to swim. You can just walk across the pebbles at the beginning of the stream, just create your environment correctly. Exactly, exactly that. And if you can, if you can optimize for enjoyment, and this comes from within you, as opposed to me telling you eat less ice cream, then you've won this game. And what people tell me is, well, if I eat a cup, then I'll want another cup. Awesome. That's intentional. That's fine. That's okay. The key is that it's intentional, not that you will automatically eat it. And then what I say to people is, look, have the first bite, tell me how much you enjoy it, 10 out of 10. Have the second bite, tell me how much you enjoy it, eight out of 10. Have the third bite, seven out of 10. And this is their own words. Okay, so maybe at the fifth bite, stop and leave it for an hour and then start again and you've got another 10 out of 10. Like, I'm not trying to tell you to eat less. I'm just saying, look, if you're eating this for enjoyment, let's enjoy it. Like, you tell me, when are you no longer enjoying it? And this flipping the kind of flipping the script and getting it to come from people, they're like, oh, okay, now I understand. It still takes practice. It still takes time to figure it out. 
But once you've got this awareness, once you've shone this light, it's a game changer. People can start seeing this in their day-to-day -day lives. They can observe themselves. They can reflect on it. They can iterate. Whether that's being more present or whether that's curating the environment for, for ongoing success. Yeah, I can see that. And then once you, the more simple you make that, the more automatic you make that, the less willpower you have to exhibit in order to A, be able to have, it's called an energetic and enjoyable life yep. in the macro level yep. and also on the micro level to be able to enjoy food as a, th as a thing to enjoy, yep. not as just something you're mindlessly about and yep. doesn't serve you in any which way, not as far as enjoyment in the micro or in the macro and how you feel. Yeah. And, and the more you can be present, again, the, the less you need to think or worry about this because, and this is what people who stay in shape automatically without doing anything have. They have presence. They stop when they're full. They've built this skill. They just do it. You can build it as well. Does that make sense? It does. I'm honestly thinking to myself, like, is this something that I do? Because I always consider myself someone who's usually in pretty good shape. I might not be in, you know, competition shape all the time, but I always have a six pack pretty much. And yeah, I think it's just about creating the, I, what I do as far as food is I just create the structures. Like I don't have junk food in the house. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any, the, the only time I can really eat something that's quote unquote unhealthy is I have to make an effort to go and get it and go buy somewhere, but nothing in my day to day life is just present for me to be mindless. So that I don't have to make that, it's not about willpower as far as that, because there's just, it actually requires more willpower to go and buy something, go out and get something than to, to not eat it. Yeah. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, so that's, that's one of the kind of, you know, let's talk about practical tips and advice. That's one of the things is, if you are prone to eating mindlessly, remove that mindless shit from your environment, and just the act of having to leave the house to get something makes it more intentional. So already you're adding intentionality into your environment. A great example for me was working night shifts, coming home, eating the shit in the cupboards in my kitchen. Totally mindless because I was tired and stressed. I removed it. I had a shake as I drove home. I didn't even go in the kitchen. It wasn't there. I didn't have to worry about it. I became more intentional without any extra effort because there was no longer anything there. It didn't take away from my life. It didn't take away from my enjoyment because I wasn't enjoying that food anyway. My life just got better and I was more aligned with my goals. Super, super easy. Don't even have that battle. And a very similar thing yeah. happened in a restaurant. I was, you know, there were peanuts on the table before the food came out and I was eating them. And then I took my drink, put it down and, and it hid them, obstructed them. I stopped eating them. And then when I picked up my drink and moved it to one side again, I started eating them again. Again, all this was totally mindless. And once I saw that, I thought, wow, this is incredible. And I just asked them to remove them. It was just so much easier than, than having them on the table and, and not enjoying them and being misaligned with my goals for no reason, literally no reason. So examples of curating your environment for success. Okay. I think the next thing is I, I look at it and I call it automations. Yeah. Things that kind of automatically you do and they make it easier for you. For example, the morning protein shake yep. Yep. or the chicken salad at lunch that you always recommend people yep. have. Just things that make it easier for you to not have to even think, is this a fuel or a feast? What am I going to do today? Just like, no, in yep. the morning, I know I'm going to have a morning shake. At lunch, I know I'm going to have the chicken salad. And then for dinner, we'll kind of see what's up. Yep. And for me, even like the other week, we went to have like a, a nice breakfast out. And I had the shake before it. And then in the breakfast, I just had a nice little treat. I just got a French toast because I was full. I didn't need to eat something that was terrible that was going to be like half healthy, but half not. Yep. And wouldn't really hit the button in either way, and I was just able to have a really nice French toast and still feel good with myself. Yeah, and that was pure enjoyment. You, you allowed yourself yep. to enjoy it, perfect, perfect outcome. Yep. And actually what that is, is that's, so we've talked about curating your external environment by removing junk food. You can also curate your internal environment by having these automations. 
And this goes with you wherever in the world mm. you are. So I have my system and it works everywhere. I eat out the vast, vast, vast majority of the time in the evening and have my automations in the day. It doesn't matter whether I'm in Mexico, Thailand, the UK or Portugal. I have the exact same system. and I don't even think about it. I just do it, which is super, super powerful. It makes me intentional without any, any effort. And actually, this is one of the things that works with a lot of my clients. As we've spoken before, you need a calorie deficit to lose body fat. Some people don't want to track. And a way to do this would be have fuel meals throughout the day, have a feast meal in the evening, but then optimize for enjoyment. Stop when you're full. And if you can find an equilibrium here and you're in a deficit, you will lose fat or maintain. Awesome. You've won without tracking. Now, if that isn't working because you haven't quite calibrated your stop when you're full skill, then you need to track and practice. And eventually you'll get to a point where you can lose body fat slash sustain slash be fueled and aligned with your goals without having to track. But tracking is a very useful tool at the beginning of this process. Can I add a ripple to that? Please. What I see from my side? To preemptively fill yourself when you're, when you're still not like master that, so to speak, that you know, okay, I'm full now, I'm not enjoying this anymore, I'll stop. I think that's a big ask when we have a lot of food in front oh, of us. for sure. And I think to, to preemptively, okay, like let's say me and you are going to go out for a dinner right now, and I know it's at a junk place, whatever it may be. Like how you said that some people have a protein shake yep. before that. I can see that as being so helpful that I don't have to, again, like rely on the willpower there, but I'm just going to be less hungry. Yep. So I'm not going to have to start, I constantly ask myself, am I full or am I not? I'm just going to have less of that impetus to keep eating. Yep. And, and this makes it easier. This is what I say to people at buffets. I say, look, the first round of food at a buffet, get vegetables, get lean protein and get plenty of fluids. The second round, take a little bit of everything you think you like. Try the things. Don't eat anything you don't mm. like. The third round, take more of what you like. Honestly, by the time people get to the third round, they're full. They've loaded up on lean protein. They've loaded yeah. up on veg. They don't feel like they're restricting. They don't feel like I'm telling that they can't eat food. They're very, very happy. They're adequately fueled and they've eaten everything they wanted. Boom. Positive actions instead of saying, look, just don't eat anything. Just track your food and stick to 12 yeah. calories, you know? And then Great, man. just a few other tactics before we wrap this up, because practical advice helps with this kind of thing. So often when people, uh, they ask me, how can I optimize? Like I'm going to an event, I'm doing, I'm eating food, all day and I overate. How do I optimize for enjoyment? And I say, amazing. Take all the food that you ate over the day, rank it in what your favorite food was. The bottom three things, get rid of them. So whatever the three least enjoyable, least valuable things in your experience were, next time don't eat them. So you'll be more aligned with your goals without taking away from enjoyment. So this is actually the goal is to hit your goals and, and minimally impact enjoyment of life. And yes, this feast meal might not be perfect because maybe you got rid of the protein and the veg, but the goal of a feast meal isn't to be optimal towards your goals. The fuel meals will do that the rest of the time. With a feast meal, let's just worry about enjoyment. So let's just identify the top most enjoyable things. But in my experience, what really happens is it's not the meat and the veg which go. It's the shitty bread on the table. It's the, it's the, third helping of potatoes or potato chips which they don't really give a shit about it's the the shitty food yeah. that people get rid of not not the good healthy nutritious food we're, we're wired to like this stuff yeah and then 
one final tactic, which one of my clients started using recently was instead of going to a restaurant and being like, right, I'm really hungry. I'm going to order four starters, two mains and six desserts, order less, and then give yourself permission to have more if you want. Exactly the same with the ice cream. So instead of ordering, uh, I don't know, three starters, two mains and two sides, order one starter and a small main. Try it, eat it. And if you want more, have more. Honestly, 99% of the time you won't. And I had this problem for yeah. ages where I was automatically ordering a large whatever because I'm a big guy, I need a large. Every time I felt sick, every time it was too much. When I eventually got to the point and thought, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna order a medium, it was more than enough. Or when I realized I only needed half a pizza and actually any more made me feel sick. These things were game changers for me. But once you realize this, that actually, even if you haven't eaten anything all day and you're starving hungry, half a pizza is fine. A medium, whatever, kebab, whatever is absolutely fine. It's a game changer. And just by ordering less with permission to have more, the chances are you won't because you won't need it. You'll from within decide that you won't need it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it, it does. And, I, and I, I ask myself this question. I'm sure everybody else will feel the same way. It's like, how many times have I ordered something really big? And then afterwards I felt terrible. Yeah. How many times have I ordered something medium and then said, you know what, let me go order another one. It's just, it's infinite in the yeah. discrepancy there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty easy. Yeah, when I think about it now, I'm like, yeah, I should probably be an adult and not order big things anymore. So, I mean, just to summarize from my point of view, and then you can summarize, Itamar, optimizing for enjoyment is a concept. There's lots of ways to apply it, to implement it. The main top level, like, quote or line here is, when you're no longer enjoying something, just be more aware, be more present. And when you're no, no longer enjoying something you're supposed to be enjoying, stop and re-listen to this episode for ideas that apply to you. Don't look at this as in, yeah, but at a buffet, I want to eat all the food. Just, just chill, just observe without judgment what might work to increase your enjoyment and what might work to not take away from it. Boom. Yeah. Um, I have a couple big things so first off again know when you're going to have feast meals be intentional about this and also in the feast meals there's also ways to mitigate the damage if you just have protein and veg ahead of time and then enjoy yourself you're probably not going to cause that much harm and that's a really easy way to think about it um, on top of that try to make it so that your environment is easy it will allow you to to do the right actions by not having junk next to you by not taking the entire ice cream tub with you by just taking a scoop or whatever it may be just create a degree of difficulty, a degree of friction, of friction between you and unnecessary things. Um, on top of that, create certain automations. This is what Emil called the internal environment, where you just know that you have, in this situation, you have a morning shake. In this situation, you have a chicken salad. All these kind of things that can just make things simpler and easier for you. Um, I said, again, preliminary fill yourself up, whether it's a protein shake before or protein and veg before you have the junk. For me, that makes it easier. And finally, the kind of like less is more. When I thought about that, how many times have I regretted eating something too big as opposed to how many times have I regretted not ordering the bigger portion? The discrepancy is insane. So for me, a rule of thumb I'll be adopting moving forward is just ordering less. And if I want to order more, I'll get up and I'll order more. I'll just wave the waiter over and order more. But that is going to be for me a rule of thumb moving forward, a very practical one. Yeah, and, and the, the big thing here is that enjoyment and goals are not mutually exclusive. With some awareness, with some presence, with some intentionality, 
you can have both. And that's the goal. That's literally why we do this. Have your cake and eat it. Yeah, and I want to say this because this is something that I've always thought about when we talked about this. It's it's beyond that. Like I feel if we're, let's say we're at a conference together and I'm having a breakfast that's gluttonous, it, I want to enjoy the rest of the day because I feel heavy and I feel lethargic. But if I just have that one piece of French toast along with the healthy breakfast, I'm winning at everything. I get to, to have the French toast and I get to have the energy for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, that's exactly it. When you notice that you're having a negative experience surrounding food, just be aware that maybe there's something you can do to change it, to have an improved experience, especially when the experience was supposed to be fun. Yeah. Like I should be enjoying this breakfast, yet I feel like a heap of shit. What can I change to make <laughs> this better? <laughs> On that note, should we wrap up today's episode? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm wrapped up. That's me. That's me. Mic drop. All right. Thank you guys very much. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you guys so much. Catch you next time.